Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome. Today is such an exciting day for me because We are graced by the one and only Robin McMahon, and Robin and I fortunately crossed paths a few years back, and I have been so incredibly blessed to call her a friend since then. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background for Robin, and then we'll kick right into what she does and how she can bring value to us today. So Robin is a certified parent coach, author, podcaster, and speaker. Robin is a parenting expert and consultant for the international personal development app, Live More. Robin also sits on the expert panel for Newsweek magazine, where she contributes to and writes articles related to parenting for the publication. In her work with parents from all over the world, she helps them build more connection and find more joy and cooperation in their parenting. Robin's work focuses on building and strengthening the parent-child relationship so that children grow up with resilience, confidence, and strong emotional intelligence. She works with parents to help them understand their own emotions and frustrations in parenting so they can help build their children's sense of self without losing themselves in the process. Robin, I'm so excited to be here. And what a freaking amazing work that you do. And Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So I know I've shared it with you personally a little bit, like we've kind of back and forth a little bit, but you truly have made a mark on my own parenting journey. And so, so excited to have you. And we, I actually didn't realize this at first, but once I got to know you, I found out that we have a little bit of a similar postpartum story. And I'd love it if you kicked off with a little intro on where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I just love you. I consider you a friend. I'm so happy that we live close to each other as far as being Canadians and we live in the same province. It's really so great. So I first had my first son 17 years ago and he is the most wonderful human and (laughs) with his birth was really challenging. I thought when I first became pregnant and we first decided to, you know, grow our family that I would be like mother earth. Like I would know what to do. It would come so naturally to me and I hated it. First off, I was 11 days overdue and I was so massive and it was right in the middle of an August heat wave. So you can imagine how hot I was. And I went into the hospital because at 10 days overdue, they don't let you go any further than that. I was in labor for an entire day. They induced me. They did all sorts of things to me to get this baby out. It didn't work. I got sent home, went back in, and it was midnight pretty much that day where they decided, no, I had to have a C-section. So throughout this time, I had an epidural. He went up 
instead of down. I didn't know that was possible. Like I reverse dilated. I don't even know the technical term for that, but like it was, and I'm like, you little turkey. Well, that's that's so true. coding it. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know this, but I have never been hysterical in my life. I was hysterical when I found I had I had to have a C-section. I was so scared. I had never had so much as NIV before. And of course, at that point, they were putting all sorts of things in me. So I had had that. The next thing you know, like I didn't realize how humiliating it would be, how primal it would be. The next thing I know, someone's shaving me. And I am such a private person, such a conservative and, you know, not for any reason other than I just am a little shy when it comes to that stuff. And so like, it just threw me. And then this beautiful boy of mine came to us after me having major surgery and this boy, this beautiful redheaded baby boy that I had, he would not stop crying. Mm. There was nothing I could do to get him to stop. And I couldn't nurse him. I couldn't even pull my underwear up on my own. Mm. And I started down this shame spiral where I felt holy cow, this is nothing like I thought it would be. And I'm not cut out for this at all. And I thought it was stupid before when I heard stories of women not being able to reconcile the birth. And I was like, holy cow, that's me. What is going on? Mm. And I didn't feel like anybody understood me. I was too ashamed to explain it to anybody because all of my friends who had babies were in love with their babies and I didn't connect with my son right away. So that's kind of where I was. And that sent me down this path of real darkness, shame, and that turned into anger towards my child. Mm -hmm. And I have two boys now. I'll just say he's not the only one. I have two boys. I have a 17-year-old and a son that's almost 15. That's incredible. And thank you for sharing that because I know that's such personal. And I just really admire you for that. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but my experience is pretty similar. Like there's some differences, but pretty similar. And I almost got to a place now it's funny because my friends all know the drill all my friends especially for their first if they had a child after me they kind of know that they're going to get the drill from Sarah because it's not about I'm not into fear mongering and telling people's hospital to make them feel like it was such a I don't even know what the right word is I want to say traumatic it, it, but yeah. it was I went through postpartum for three years after having my son and oh, yeah. it was it's almost my moral obligation now. You know, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But yeah, I am very, very transparent about what happens after birth because mm -hmm. to tell friends especially or even <laughs> somewhat friends this experience and not in a fear-mongering way, but in uh, yeah. I felt so alone, just like you felt so mm -hmm. alone. I know the postpartum depression happens to a huge amount of women, nobody on my watch that's going to go through that and feel alone. Yeah. They're going to go through that. It's my answer going through all these hormone changes and things, but not on my watch is anyone going to feel like they're the only ones. And so yeah. I really admire you well, sharing that. Thank you. I think that's so beautiful that you're doing that. And I also know that like when things don't go our way, our thoughts start to enter the picture mm -hmm. and we are not kind to ourselves. And that's part of it. Like we need to know what to expect so that we can accept it. Yeah. I didn't know what afterbirth was going to be like. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know I'd have to wear a pad that was <laughs> I, I didn't know. Nobody told me this. <laughs> 
All of a sudden, people are oh rolling me over and up the repository, oh. and then someone else is like squishing my tummy around. I'm just like, oh, I guess I'm like open for business right. for whoever wants to do whatever. And because I was so shy, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's really great. And I'm sure I had postpartum, but I was so wrecked by the experience that I couldn't admit it. I didn't want to talk about it. I just, I didn't get the help I needed. And I know that. Well, and you know what? I think that there's a lot of shame around that because for me, I experienced lasted for three years. And I think it was because of the same. I'm always a strong person. I'm always a person that yeah. kind of protects my emotions and I'm there for other people usually. And I really kind of bottled that up. And I think that yeah. the process would have probably been so much easier to get through had I yeah. been more open. And And luckily for me, I was able to, three years in, I was able to get the help that I needed. I'm very open. I went to speak with someone. I went through therapy and I like just sing the praises of that experience because I was able to process my emotions around it in such a healthy way. And so again, that's something I'm also very, very open about because the shame is what keeps us in that space. And so it is this life altering event. And I think too, with there's so many there's so much going on in our heads. Like I had a really hard time breastfeeding that that was like almost turned it. And I am not as hard on myself as I know a lot of people are, but I was like, oh, my body's broken. I can't provide for my child. You go down these crazy yeah. shame things. And I think what happened is that shame really by bottling it up, it affected that first three years and I wasn't able to yeah. connect. And it was a really hard, it, it was hard to see those those people, whether it was true or not, that they were like, yeah. oh, I love my child immediately. And I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, and I yeah. love, I love Jude now. And I did love him. It's just, I needed to process those emotions. So love is not even the point. Yes, we love them. There is a connection though. There is it's like, I don't know about you, kid. I, like you have, you've wrecked my confidence and it's not his fault, right? So when I say you've made me, it's, of course, it's not the child's fault, but the situation has made me question myself. This is what my body is supposed to do. And I can't even do this right. My doctor said to my husband and I, after Parker was born, that it was such a difficult birth that he would have had to in, in, in any other country, developing country or any other time where there wasn't C-sections that he would have had to decide between me and the baby. Wow. Oh, well, that was helpful. That was great. Like, holy cow. I mean, that throws you for a loop. So my, my biggest goal, I'm sorry, I know you have another question I just want to say is to normalize the ups and downs of parenting that, yeah, there are going to be times where you hate it. That's okay. It's okay to say that. And it just means you need some, some help and support. And there are people like us out there who really want to just like wrap our arms around you and say, yeah, we get it too. We know, and we've got to stop being perfect. And pretending that everything is going okay because it's not helping us nor is it helping the mom that's like oh gosh I'm really struggling but look at Sarah she's got it all together when in fact you don't right, right? yeah right it's totally true and I think even it just it affects the whole family I was going through my own thing and my husband was going through his own thing where he was like adjusting to parenting and it's not just women like women obviously we take this Course. Like the body piece of it is so impactful, but yeah, it just affects the whole family. So 
really does. Yeah. Yeah. So back us into where we can be with our relationship with kids, because I know that's like, I feel like what we just talked about can be so relatable to a lot of people. But as far as like the light at the end of the tunnel or rainbow, I think it's one of those things that for some of us and my hand raised here that we're so used to being in control and Mm. having it all together at work and other places. But at home, we're really being stretched and challenged. This is new for us, especially with first and even with second, third kids. So give us a little light here. What's possible for us as parents aspiring to develop an incredible relationship with our kids? Mm. You know, I love that question because that is everything. Mm. Not only is it fun, it feels good. Your heart is full of love when you can have a great relationship with your child. And where we get caught up is understanding their behavior, Mm. misunderstanding what they say to us, misunderstanding when they say no to us and don't listen to us as them being bad, right? And what I want everybody to hear is that our kids' behavior, no matter what it is, whether it's how they talk to you, refuse to listen, have big emotions, have intense behaviors, intense meltdowns, they're strong-willed, they're defiant, all those things, it's really just communication that is letting us know that there's either a need that isn't getting met, there's a feeling that's unvalidated, or they don't have a skill to do better yet. And so I really explain to parents, look, your child is trying to communicate with you, but they don't know how yet, mm. right? We, it takes time to learn communication. It takes time to learn emotional intelligence. And we have to also understand that our kids are growing and their brains are growing and they are not fully formed and developed until they're in their 20s. So what we need to do is look at them as children, as inexperienced little babies who we love so much and not expect them to act like adults and hold them to a standard that they can't possibly be held to and they can't possibly meet. And then we have all of these letdowns and unspoken expectations and that builds resentment and all of that stuff. So What we want to do is instead, we want to see behavior as just like a puzzle to be solved. It's like, okay, so my son is refusing to do this. What is that about? How come? And instead of that coming from a place of ego, like I always say, there's two sides to everything when it comes to parenting. Mm. One is what's going on with your child. The other is what's going on with you. Totally. Right? And so if we can take what's going on with us, put it aside for just a second, right? And what I mean by us is we're feeling powerless. We're feeling embarrassed. We're feeling disrespected. We're feeling overwhelmed. We are feeling all of these feelings, right? And that leads us to thoughts of, oh, I can't do this right. Or why even bother? Or you never listen anyway. I would say to myself, about my son, you ruin everything. You ruin everything. And that forms your reaction, right? And so we need to dial it back a little bit, put ourselves aside and easier said than done, right? But I want every parent to know behavior isn't personal. It's not about you ever. It is just about your child in their own little bubble over here, right? With their needs, with their inexperience and their inability to understand their emotions, deal with them or articulate them. And we just need to go and help those little babies of ours. We just need to say, hmm, okay, so you really don't want to do that thing, huh? Well, how can we work that out? 
you know, and listen to our child, right? So the hope is, the hope that I want to give to everybody listening is that it really starts with connection. It starts with curiosity and it really starts with compassion for your child because they're doing the best they can. They want to listen. They want to get along with us. They want to obey us. And if they aren't, we just need to figure out why and ask them why and work with them and create win-wins with them. And you'll find that your relationship deepens, your connection deepens. And when connection is high, resistance is low. Right. And that's really what I'm about. I love that. There's so many things I love in that. <laughs> One is it's, that it's funny because I was saying this to my husband a while ago, but I just remember it. I can't remember what the scenario was, but it was, we were asking Jude to do something. <clears throat> And for whatever reason, he was resisting. And I took a step back for a second and I was like, mm. we wouldn't even hold ourselves to this standard. How yes. in the world are we expecting a five-year-old or whatever, however old he was, okay. to be at that standard? And I think, too, it's been – it's interesting. We were really fortunate with our daycare preschool experience where mm -hmm. there was a lot of studies coming out about – kids not being emotionally developed enough or to standard, whatever mm -hmm. standard is. So we were part of a trial initiative that was creating more intentionality about developing emotional intelligence in preschool age yeah. children. And I joke to my husband sometimes, I'm like, I feel like Jude's on the same <laughs> emotional level as, you know, as us, because that wasn't really a right. thing for us as kids. Like it was just you... It wasn't quite so to the point that we were like, don't be heard at all. That was more of our parents, grandparents' generation. But there was this stay out of the way. My parents are incredible. Yeah. I love my parents. But it was just that societal mm -hmm. expectation. And I think we're moving into more of a societal expectation that we're involving our kids more, we're communicating more. Yeah. And I'm recognizing this emotional intelligence piece that we're pouring more into mm -hmm. our children now, and it's really making a difference. And I kind of joke because we're on the same level. I hope, <laughs> I hope it's not actually true, but you know, I, it's a different landscape now. Parenting is a different landscape now. Yeah, and I think that is incredible, yeah. and also an opportunity for growth as for us as parents in this day and age yes. to do things differently. Yes. And it's, it's just a really interesting dynamic. So. I want to speak to that just a little bit. Emotional intelligence is really the most important thing. We all, and I use this line a lot. I always think of this one guy that I used to work with and I think, okay, you could be the smartest person in the room. So IQ, right? But if you don't have emotional intelligence, you don't know how to relate to people. You don't know how to understand your emotions or the emotions of other people. And that really holds you back. And so a line that I'm talking about is like, you can be the smartest person in your in the room, but if you're a jerk, like nobody's going to want to work with you, right. right? So intelligence isn't everything. School and grades and all of that isn't a measure of how smart you are. You know, we talk about street smarts, different things like that. Emotional intelligence is the most important thing. Yeah. And we know that too, because the work that I do isn't just feel-good ideas. This is based in research. It's based in science. We can use the fMRI machines, the functional MRI machines now, to see the way the brain works, to see that when we validate emotions, 
that actually calms the brain down. So it's not like this is theory. This is proven. And so why not do what we know works? Right. I love that. And I love a piece of what you shared earlier too. It's kind of all tied into this whole neuroscience and the brain and how it it functions Uh, and developing that emotional intelligence is that you talked about approaching things with curiosity. And I love that approach, one, because it's my personal core values. And two, because there, and this is something that Jude, he's already rolling his eyes (laughs) at me for this, because I now understand with the growth that I've experienced and the challenges that I've gone through that a lot of what we're experiencing, the results and the emotions that we're we're experiencing are a direct result to the thoughts we're thinking about. And so we're always having this conversation with Jude where we talk about what is it that, what is the emotion that's coming up? And it's that acknowledgement piece of, Mm -hmm. okay, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger here. What is the thought that's creating this angry feeling and how can we manufacture a different feeling with choosing a different thought and i think approaching things with curiosity allows you i just love that you said that it allows you to choose a different thought for me as a parent like experiencing that lack of control and i spoke to it earlier i've always felt so in control at work and things like that and this has been such a letting go (laughs) yeah where you're like okay I can't control everything here, but coming at it with curiosity is everything because it's allowed me to have that compassion that's needed, I think. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're curious, you can't be judgmental at the same time. Right. Yes. It almost like kicks it out of the room. You can't like cohabitate together. I love that. That's interesting. Yeah. And that means judgmental of yourself, judgmental of your child. What is this? Right. And to be be able to to question your own thoughts, like, is it true? Mm. Is it really true? Byron Katie has that. She she has like the five questions to ask yourself. Like, is it true? Is it really true? Yeah. What would it be like if I didn't have this thought? What would it be like? How different would I be? Yeah. Like, what would life be like? Whoa, hold on. That's like, whoa. Basically, if I didn't have this thought. Yeah. And and what you're describing is neuroplasticity. Our brains can grow and change at any time. And that's what a growth mindset is about as well. And so if anybody's listening and they feel like, oh, I don't know, maybe I was too harsh with my kids or whatever, it's never too late. Mm. You know, I I came to this work when my son was past five years old. And we all know those first five years are those fundamental years. And I was like, oh, it's too late. I've I've already screwed him up. I've ruined it. And and it's all my fault. And I didn't want to let that go. I didn't want to let myself off the hook right. for that. I wanted to beat myself up for years and years and years. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, we do that. <laughs> yeah. But forgiveness is huge. I didn't know what I didn't know. I just didn't. Yeah, and none of us do. Yeah. We're all just doing yeah. our best. We're all doing our best. Well, yeah. And if you think about, you know, like you, your husband had a different experience. You had a different experience. One of the, the things with moms is that we're told all of our lives we're going to be moms. Right. We get baby dollies when we're little, right? We, you know, oh, there's the little mommy, you know, and nobody says that about, oh, there's the little daddy. <laughs> nobody <laughs> says that, right? So true. And like, 
Yeah, it's like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? Yeah. When are you gonna, how many kids do you want? How many kids do you Well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. And then we feel like we should know how to do this. Well, how should I? We don't put up a shelf without instructions. How should I know how to care for this human to do all the things for them without any help? And that's why I want to normalize the imperfection because it is okay to say I need help. Yeah. It is okay to say, look, I'm drowning and I don't know that I like this. Totally. Come on, let's let's like wrap our arms around you. Let's help you. Let's support you. Let's love on you because it can be beautiful and it can be work. It can be both at the same time. Right. But there's a difference between struggle and strain and challenge. Experience. I think you can experience growth, challenge, and you don't have to yeah. drown doing it. Right. Oh, yeah, I get you. Yeah. I get you. If you get the right support. And I see moms that are truly suffering. Yeah. And you don't need to suffer. That's, we don't need that. That No, that's not what life is meant yeah. to be. So tell me then, because this is perfect for what we're saying here. What do you find when parents are first coming to you and you're just starting to work with yeah. them, or you're just starting a conversation with someone who's found out about you or whatever, when you're typically working with them and you're just starting what are the relatable things that they can self-identify with? And you kind of mentioned a few of them here, but in order to know if what you're sharing can help us in getting the relationship we're craving with our kid, what are those things that you're like, okay, raise my hand, you got me, that's where I'm at. What are those relatable things that you've experienced with your clients? So in terms of like what they come to me with their, their struggles, yeah. what are their struggles, yeah. essentially? So biggest one is my kids aren't listening. Mm that I have to repeat myself over and over again. The next one is how can I be more patient and calm with my kids? Because we want to be, but we don't know how to be, especially if it was never modeled. And there's things that we can do that can calm us down as well as our own kids. That my child is disrespectful, yeah. that my child won't do what I ask them to do. So different than not listening, won't do what I ask them to do. And then there are sort of like, I call them day part problems, <laughs> like getting my kids up in the morning, getting them to bed at night, getting out the door on time. And what I really do is I help you with just the everyday stuff as well as the big picture stuff. But the everyday stuff is where you start to mount the resentment and the frustration. And that's what most of us push in. And then there's a threshold and eventually you end up blowing up. And you blow up over something small, maybe, and it ends up blowing up all over your family. And then you feel bad. And then go in this spiral. I feel bad. Okay, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be really good. And then your child does something. And then they do it again. They do it again. And then you're like, nope, nope, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. And then you blow up, right? And then you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't want to. I didn't mean to. And then I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. And then you're annoyed, annoyed. Like it's just like ongoing. And we want to stop that altogether. And I think probably the other thing that comes along with that is how do I actually change my child's behavior? How do I change their behavior? And sometimes there is a, an acceptance that needs to come around that behavior because we're, we're not going to get, like you and I, we didn't get mini-me's. We didn't get easy kids. We got kids that that are our invitation to heal ourselves. Yes. That are our invitation. To, they're really showing us where we need to heal in our own lives, in our own self. And so if we can look at them that way, that's a lot of the work, right? There Again, there's two sides to everything. There's understanding your child's behavior, what they need, what they're trying to say, but then understanding your behavior. What do you need? What's going on with you? Where is your pain coming from? And I help you to heal that. 
as well as understand that child so much better. And then we bring both sides together to form that relationship that's built in mutual trust and respect and in communication and understanding so that they know that you are that pillar of support and unconditional love so that they can come to you no matter what they've done at any time and know that they won't be shamed or embarrassed or made fun of or punished you know, and disregarded or have things taken away from them that, no, you're just there to say, okay, you know what? Okay. So that wasn't cool. What are we going to do about it? You know what? Maybe that wasn't the best decision. How do we fix it? And that's what life is. Why do we want to hurt our kids, punish our kids so much to make them better people? Seems counterintuitive to me. Totally. As you were talking, I was getting this visual of it's really this two-pronged approach. And I was getting this visual of, and it's such a, a feminine visual, but of the family unit and kind of as a ponytail. <laughs> and then what you're really doing is you're braiding and you're creating that. Yeah, yeah, it's just like you're creating so much more of a stronger connection and stronger bond yes. than just a simple ponytail because you're taking that two-pronged approach that is necessary to be able to yes. show up as a great parent, but also as the parent you aspire to be internally, but the parent that also your child needs. And that's so beautiful. It's Mm. funny. And you also give the tools, which I love. There's this whole mindset component, but there's also the tools. And I was so lucky to get snippets of insights from you. And part of one of the things that I was experiencing as a parent was the whole not listening thing. And so I remember you said one time about it, just a simple tip, that you can go over and you can touch your child on the shoulder and then yeah. start to speak with them, like say their name, start to sp- I do this all the time, Robin. You've changed my world with that simple tip. Oh, I love it. Because it's transformed. I mean, I'm not going to say it's perfect every time, but right. when I do that, there's so much about a greater connection, a more immediate response. Mm-hmm. And to your point about the little daily things, the, hey, can you go mm. brush your teeth? Turn time to turn the TV off, come for dinner, just those daily things and not being listened to. And mm. then having the tool, just a simple, easy tool in your parent toolbox to overcome that experience of that being a daily ongoing thing and reducing yes. the frequency of it. And then not having to get to that blow up stage, not having to get to that. And I feel like that's equipped yeah. me as a parent so much more because of that. And it's so funny. I've got to tell you an embarrassing story. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's <laughs> because it's so funny. It was right around that time. And I couldn't have done it in this scenario. But right around the time that I picked up on this tool from you, I was actually on a call with you. And I had Jude home from school because it was flu season and he was sick. And so I'm working from home and I've got my kid home and he is just, I'm on meetings all day. And so of course he starts acting out because he wants attention likely because I've been ignoring him all day pretty much. And he is just all the things. And I'm thinking like, why is this kid trying to get me so angry? This is my internal dialogue. He is smashing on boxes, crashing. And I'm on a call with you and you yelling at my kid under my breath. I'm on a call with you. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so 
bad. This was so embarrassing. Yeah. Funny, not funny. <laughs> oh, God. But that, and I couldn't have used that tool in that situation, but the whole yeah. listening piece, like on a serious note, that tool, there's the mindset piece and then there's also the tool piece. And I think you the just tools. do that so beautifully yeah. and you support the parents that you work Aww. with so beautifully. Look, I've got a kid with ADHD and that's the reason why I know this works. And so it works with a typical kid and it works with a non-neurodiverse child. And my oldest, you know, I will just say we know now that there are some things going on with him, you know, so he kind of came out this way and it took us years to figure out what was really going on with him. I want listeners to know too like this isn't just like oh my gosh like I have such an easy kid like I have the hardest kid in the world <laughs> he has uh, ADHD is learning disabilities he has depression and an anxiety disorder obsessive compulsive disorder which also comes with OCD rage and OCD when you are diagnosed with it is debilitating I have seen some kids within therapy that we've gotten for our son and completely hijacks their life. It makes my son really unwilling to want to listen to do things. And he's not always honest about his OCD. No, 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 that's, that's not what it is. And I'm like, mm, I think it is. But then there's things that I can't do and we end up making it worse sometimes. So I just want people to know that like, even if you have a hard child, we can still connect with them mm -hmm. deeply. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Like what you shared earlier, about this opportunity to grow <laughs> through our children. Mm -hmm. Those times in my life were pretty dark. And, and I'm so thankful mm -hmm. because it's allowed me an opportunity to grow beyond what I could have possibly imagined mentally. And yeah. so I think that, you know, there are tough situations. And it's nice to hear that there's hope in those situations yeah, when you're experiencing so massive growth and massive challenge that you can still enjoy the parenting journey and you can still mm -hmm. enjoy a connection with your child, even when you're going through challenging things and they're going through challenging, challenging things. Mm -hmm. So about closing the gap, what does it take yeah. for someone to go from what you just shared about a relationship that we can truly enjoy with our kids and feel like they are becoming and feel like we're becoming the parent that we always wanted to be. And that moment when we first start working with someone like you, where we're just at what's end, we don't even know where to go. What's required mm -hmm. to close that gap? And obviously, <laughs> this would be a, a whole program and coaching and training. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, what is it that's required for us to do that? You know, it's such a good question. And first and foremost, I want you to know it never looks perfect. Yeah. I am not a perfect mother. I have said, shut up and get away from me. <laughs> I just want you to know I'm not perfect. And I embrace the imperfection because that is just an opportunity for me to go to my either one of my boys and say, okay, hold on. I think I screwed this up. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I could have done better. Anyway, so I just want to say that first and foremost. Love that. Uh, there's a couple of things that need to sort of happen. First, I like to just get right in there with the thing that is upsetting you the most. The thing that you are, it's sort of like triage, right? Like what is the biggest thing that's going on with you right now? And I really get to know my clients. I really want to understand that. And that's kind of where we tackle 
it first because I want you to get some wins under your belt so that you feel more confident. Most of the people who I work with are moms and they're professional working moms who feel confident at work, just like you've described, but at home, they feel completely useless, disrespected, disregarded, and like ineffective. And that doesn't feel good for people like us who are usually in control, who people come to for answers. Now, like I have to go ask for answers. That doesn't feel right. So I really... And usually it's around, my kid is going wild. My kid is this, my kid is that. So we go in and I break it down, just like I've already said, like, okay, let's look at your child. You know, and here's the thing, we all have blind spots Mm. and you need somebody else who's just there for you, but without any skin in your game to say, okay, you know what? I think this is actually what they're saying. And I can really pick that out. And when we can do that, then we can say, oh, geez, I totally missed the mark on that. Okay. So then I'll tell you, okay, here's what you say. Here's what you do. And then we go over to exactly what we talked about before. As soon as your child does that, what does that feel like for you? Right. And hard to identify that. But then what are the thoughts that come with that? Okay. We're going to change that thought because when we talk about your thoughts and your feelings around your child and their behavior, we also want to look at what it's costing you. And it's often costing you your happiness, Mm -hmm. your connection. Many times it's costing you your relationship with your spouse too, with your child. And look, it's uncomfortable to look at this stuff, but you're already uncomfortable. It's just a discomfort that you know. Why not be uncomfortable for a moment in time, but that gets you closer to having that relationship with your child. And again, I want to go back to the fact that it feels good. It's fun. This is why we became parents for this feeling, for this closeness, right? And it does mean we have to reach outside of ourselves. It does mean that we have to radically accept who our kids are sometimes. I did not choose a child with mental illness, but that's what I have. And I have to accept him fighting against who he is will never get me close to him. It'll just make him feel worse. And his behavior will then morph and change and grow into behavior that's even worse. Instead, I accept him. And that was probably the biggest thing for me is like, I don't have to change him. I can actually just accept him. Whoa. And I can accept me that I'm not the mom I thought I would be, that this is not the family I thought I would have. And so there is a whole letting go of expectations for yourself and your child too that comes with it. And so it is a bit of a process, but my goal is to get you in to help you with those big things first, whether it's bedtime, whether it's getting out the door on time, whether it's listening, whether it's massive out outbursts. I have kids that wreck the house, yeah. families that I work with, their kids wreck the house. Oh my goodness. So let's look at why. Is it sensory? Is there something else going on with your child? That's work at this. And I'm so lucky too, because I have a podcast called Parenting Our Future. And my podcast is about talking to experts in all over the parenting field. So, and and different subjects from substance abuse to online dangers, to emotional intelligence, to trauma, all those different things so that I can go back and learn from these experts, but also I have access to these experts too. So if there is a child that is extreme, I have access to people who are experts in the extremes as well as as what I do for my work. So does that answer your question? Yeah, that's perfect. It's nice to have those quick wins, like you said, because you get that relief that you're looking for as a parent, but then you also get 
somebody on the journey with you. And I feel like it's, it's lonely sometimes when you feel like you have to absorb the emotional experience alone as you're going through that parenting journey. It's a beautiful thing. I don't think parent coaches existed 20, 30 years ago. And it's a beautiful thing that they do now because what a much more compassionate journey for yourself on yourself to choose when you don't have to do it alone. And I know that there sometimes there's a spouse involved, sometimes there's not. But even if there's a spouse involved, mm-hmm. it's just a different relationship. And mm-hmm. I think that that's such a beautiful thing. So we're going through the age of seven right now, which is a really interesting. I talked to a friend mm-hmm. of mine who's done a lot of early childhood education, and she had shared with me that there is a period, and generally people call it the seven-year switch. I, I think I don't know if that's the right term, mm-hmm. but that there is a letting go. You know, we've talked a lot about letting go, but there's a letting go of being the controller of the situation, the one who calls the shots and dictates the process to shifting and morphing more into becoming a guide. And so you being in that Mm -hmm. teen journey have probably Mm -hmm. gone through this. And what does, how do we manage that firm but kind while becoming a mentor and a guide? for really truly having their best interests at heart without getting caught in either being really, really harsh or trying to stay in Mm. control or on the other hand, trying to make them our friends and because it's easy at the expense of what's best for their growth. Yeah. So that's a really good question. And I think along the way we get our hearts broken at, at the same time because it's like, oh, you need me, but you don't need me now. Oh, I thought I had more time. There's regret. There's all those feelings that come along with it. And that might make us want to hold them even tighter and helicopter them and all that stuff. So you're really right. Like around the age of seven is when there is massive brain growth happening with our kids where they actually start to grow that prefrontal cortex, which is the rational thinking brain. That's what houses reasoning, rational thought, problem solving, the ability to forecast consequences, to understand cause and effect. Also, emotional regulation is coming online. Impulse control is coming online. It's not mastered until mid-20s, so we have to know that, but it's coming online. And around the age of 11 is when they stop crying over things. You know, you kind of wonder like, oh, we're still crying about this? Like, okay, you know, but it's naturally will go. And, and development is one of those things where it's like, okay, one minute I'm I'm here and, you know, a little higher and the next minute I'm way below that. Or you kind of inchworm your way through development and it's two steps forward, one step back sometimes. So it requires a lot of patience. And as you're growing your relationship, you want to let your kids fail. You want to let them make mistakes. You also want to let yourself fail and make mistakes in life in general and talk about that and say, oh, geez, should have done this. And it's okay because I did this instead. Mm. We want to model stuff like that for our kids. Our kids do what we do. They don't necessarily do what we say. Right. So these are the kinds of, this is the time where we want to do lectures don't work. Punishing doesn't work. It works in the short term maybe, but not long term. So we also need to understand that our kids deserve, and I believe it's their birthright to be respected. And so are you respecting your child as this transition goes, as their own human, finding their own way through life? So respecting them means too, that we honor who they are 
what they love, what they want to do, and cease to run our own agenda. Maybe up to this point, we've said, okay, you're going to take piano, you're going to learn another language, you're going to take soccer and hockey, and I'm also going to put you in basketball. But they're going to start to say, actually, no, mom, I don't want to do that. And we need to listen. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to us. So this is a give and take. This isn't dominant parenting is, is you do what I say or else. Right. I'll do something for you. I'll take something away from you. I'll hurt you. I'll talk to you with no love in my voice. I'll hurt you somehow. Mm-hmm. This is like, okay, it's not about me. I sure wish you played hockey, but it's okay that you don't, I guess. Like I'm going to do with my own stuff. Right. Like my both like we do not play hockey anymore and we loved it. It became part of our life. And so they stopped. And so that meant I didn't have that in my life anymore. We made new friends and all that stuff. So it has to not be about you. It has to be what's best for them. What do they want? They are beating with their own life force. And what does that mean? Like, I need to respect your needs over mine because they come through us. So it's really understanding that. And as they get older and they they go into those tween and teen years, we need to be a container for their angst. We need to be there with deep empathy, not trying to change things and give our opinion unless they ask, do you like help with that? No, mom. Okay, got it. Right. There's things to learn too that in those teen years, they actually are going through a massive change in their brains as well. So, understanding physiologically what's happening with them, not just hormonally, right, will also really help us too. So, there's there, I guess there isn't one simple answer. There's a lot of understanding, there's a letting go of what our dream was for our child and embracing who they really are. Because again, it's not about you, we've got to serve them. We've we brought them here, so it's about them, right? And of course, we hold boundaries, there are things we don't allow them to do because it's not safe, right? We still have to keep them safe, we still have to have boundaries for them, or they'll go wild. We don't want that either, right? Boundaries are held with love and respect compassion. And sometimes we have to say no, and that's okay too. And you can feel your feelings about that. It's okay for you to have big emotions about it. And it's still a no, you still need to do this. Right. And yeah. So that is my inelegant way of saying how to do that. No, I love it. I love (laughs) it. And especially I love the piece where you had shared about the modeling, because that was something that I've been thinking about this in my own parenting journey. And it truly is like, what does that shift look like from controlling the situation? And I think the respect and the modeling and the letting go, like those, yeah. that's like a three, those three things are kind of like the, probably the biggest pieces of doing that with as gracefully as we can. <laughs> yeah. Part of that respect, I, I should really say too, is listening to your child, yeah. listening to them when they say like, oh, don't want to go seeing if they don't want to do something. Maybe it's, maybe they don't want to tell you because they don't want to disappoint you, but you can see that their shoulders are slumped and they just, they aren't happy. It's like listening to them so that they can live the life they want. And how many of us weren't heard by our parents? And I'm just going to answer my own question. So many of us weren't heard by our parents. We weren't truly listened to. They weren't curious about us. It was like, yeah, Robin, you just need to do this. Or Robin, what do you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have thoughts and ideas and opinions. I talk about things with my friends. We talk about them at school. Like, I'd like to talk to you about them, even if it's different than what you believe. Right? Yeah. Right. Creating that space. It feels like love. 
Yeah. You have. Yes. Creating that space and it, you feel loved when somebody listens to you and it is love. Totally. I know we think that it's kind of what I said before, like the expectation of what we would consider for ourselves versus what our expectations for our kids totally. are sometimes misaligned. And sometimes it is just taking a step back and being like, would I like to be talking to you like this? No. So no. of course, there's going to be resistance. Why is it okay to talk to the person you love the most? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now, because I know you and I'm familiar with your book, The Yelling Cure, I know you actively talk about frustration and honestly, straight up anger that parenting can bring up in us. And yeah. I know that that's something that you, that I would love everybody that's listening to experience. Tell us a little bit more about your resources, where we can find you, how Yay. people can follow you and learn from all the amazing things you have to share. Oh, thank you for that opportunity. And like, I, I just want to help everybody <laughs> kind of everywhere. So where you can find me. So my book is called The Yelling Cure. And it's really how to stress less and get your kids to cooperate without threats and punishments. That's what I really am all about. And you can find that at www.yellingcurebook.com. And I, the book comes with a parent implementation guide, because it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to put the the tools into practice. And so I really believe that because I was a parent that was stuck for years and I would read books. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't apply. So when you buy the book, you get the parent implementation guide along with some videos to just to really help you as much as possible. And I also have my podcast, which is Parenting Our Future, and that's available on all podcast platforms. And the companion to my podcast is a site called The Parent Toolbox. So it's parent-toolbox.com. And in there, I have resources from every single one of my guests, including my own resources. So if you want that handout on how to get your child to listen the first time, that's in there. You can have that. And it's free to join and you get updated tools every single week. So please join the toolbox so that you can get these resources for free. And they are tangible tools and solutions that you can use right away and literally get better behavior, better listening from your kids so that you can connect with them more. And then of course I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, Parenting for Connection as well. And so you can find me there. And look, if you're a parent that has a difficult child, that has a strong-willed kid and you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what the future holds for me, for my kiddo. All I know is they're running the show and I don't feel good about the way this is all unfolding. I would love to talk to you and you can find on my website, parentingforconnection.com. You can find a link to book a call with me. That's what I'm here to do is to help you. And I will do that with no judgment, with no criticism, because I get it. I was a very angry mom. I really struggled and I know what it's like to leave that behind and really connect with my kid just for who he is, even though he's a tough kid right? So that's where you can find me. And that's what I'm all about. So thank you, Robin. You are incredible. And part of why I was so excited to have you was because you really do feel like a safe space emotionally for, for yeah. parents. And I've experienced that firsthand. So I'm just excited to bring this to all the parents listening. And I'm just so thankful for you spending your time with us and, and excited for everyone here to be able to connect with you further. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Aww, thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too, or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.